very good friend of mine sent me a a uh, email message today, and it's I talked to Chris briefly about it, and it's a great way to start this 374th episode of Unscripted. And um, this guy, I've known this individual since I've been in Calgary. Uh, he helped me sell the very first multifamily building that I built in Valley Ridge. That's a golf course community in the Northwest Corridor of the city of Calgary. And I've known this guy ever since, so over 20 years. He sends me this the other day, and I just, I think this is the new, if if I had a mantra of what I'd like to put over my, well, I definitely would like to put it on my gravestone someday, but for right now, I don't think I'm going to be needing a gravestone quite yet. Uh, but this is my new thing. I, I like this, and uh Chris gave me the permission to uh, open this 374th episode with this. And it's just apropos for everything that's going on in the world today, good, bad, or indifferent. But this is, how, this, is how, this is what it says. Don't wait till your deathbed to tell people how you feel. Tell them to fuck off now. I love that. I just think, why waste time being politically correct? Just tell them to fuck off right now as we welcome you to this 374th episode of Unscripted with Mike and Chris. Mike Jansen, Chris Fluke with you. Back again after a little midsummer hiatus to, for me, British Columbia. Um, interesting times. Um, it is, I got to tell you, before we get into the meat and the potatoes, I got to tell you, I was surprised. I've never spent a lot of time in British Columbia. I've spent... Uh, three-day junkets on golf trips to Kelowna, uh, playing some great golf courses in the Kelowna area, uh, Predator Ridge. I guess that's technically more in Nelson, B.C., but whatever. It's in the Okanagan there. I've spent more time there. But just little three-day short little trips to places like Predator Ridge, the Bear, which is just north of the airport, a beautiful golf course in Kelowna. I have never really spent a whole week or so actually more, in the British Columbia area, it's a lot different than Alberta. Oh, uh, yeah, totally. I, I just never, well, I never realized it. I always, you know, you, you look at where I'm from, if you jump the border, you go from Wisconsin into Minnesota or Wisconsin into Illinois, and it doesn't change a whole lot, except people in Illinois are just dumber. Um, <laughs> you jump the border from Alberta into British Columbia, I was surprised how much difference there was. Um, the cost is a huge difference. NDP is still running the uh, province of British Columbia. I know that our new premier here in, in Alberta is sticking, to, sticking it to the British Columbians in regard to gas prices. I was amazed at how much difference the cost in gas was between Alberta and British Columbia. It's still cheaper, though, to get gas in Las Vegas than it is in Alberta. But my God, I was amazed at how much the gas cost in British Columbia. And then we aren't exposed yet to what they're famously exposed to in British Columbia, which is the PST tax on top of the GST tax. And uh, you go to McDonald's when you've had too many at three in the morning and, and uh, all of a sudden you're giving a testicle to pay for your mcdonald's meal because of gst pst and whatever else they stick on the tax in british columbia um they drive unbelievably how much different they drive now you've spent more time in british columbia than i have but uh after my week i'm surprised i didn't walk out of there with four or five speeding tickets because uh 
all the Alberta drivers' license plates are just speeding down the highways, and and BCs are sitting there like it's kumbaya, and it's just. There were some subtle differences. I was surprised. It was good to see my daughter, but in living in her new environment, but I was surprised at the difference, uh, and just subtle differences. Nothing great, but you put them all together, and it it's kind of different. Um, but you know. Um, we didn't get the great weather like we had when we moved Olivia out there last year. They, I guess they had great weather here in uh, BC. It wasn't so nice, but I did enjoy. I do need to give one plug before I get going here. I do need to give a plug to the Kamloops Golf and Country Club. They've redone all the greens and a majority of the, free, of the fairways, and uh, I really enjoyed the golf course. Well done there. The guy behind the counter was a bit of a dickhead, but everybody else there was nice. The golf course was in great shape. It was fair to play. There was another thing, though. Golf is much more reasonable to play monetarily in BC, probably because they have more golf courses. But uh, I was very appreciative of, of the cost of golf in BC compared to the cost of golf in Alberta. How much was around there? We got on with a cart for 45 bucks. Nice. 45 bucks a person. Olivia and I got on. 90 bucks for the two of us. That wouldn't even get one of us on in Alberta. Uh, that's got to change in Alberta. I don't give a shit. I don't want to hear about the short season. I don't want to hear about all the other goddamn problems that they have. Because I ran a golf course for three years in, in uh, Calgary. And I know how expensive it is with your equipment costs and your staff costs and your short seasons i get all that but my god you're playing golf courses in british columbia that are better than anything in calgary in my opinion and or as good as good let's say i mean i don't mind i don't think there's a better golf course in north america in my opinion in my opinion than prittis green in alberta that's an unbelievable golf course but unless you know justin trudeau you're not getting on that golf course. It's just unbelievably exclusive. And how I ever got on there, I don't know. Um, but that's one thing that needs to be addressed in Alberta. But I suppose we should get going. Um, I want to start with uh, the National Football League. Um, there's a lot of things to talk about. I found a million things to talk about. All pretty much disgusting. And I still want Chris, and I will find time to make sure Chris updates you on any updates in regard to all elite wrestling. I think that's important. I think that's something that we can hang our hat on in regard to keeping people informed about something that Chris is very passionate about, something that I want to learn about. Um, but I think that the way they're doing it, I like that the way they're doing it, and I like that they're providing an alternative to Mr. McMahon. And um, But I want to start in the National Football League as we got started full scale with the exhibition. Um, and they don't like, I heard this over the weekend on the Packer telecast, the Packers, Texas, Texans telecast. I heard this, that they don't like the word preseason. They like exhibition. I don't care if it's an exhibition. I don't care if it's a walkthrough. What they, what the National Football League is doing to their fan base right now is fucking ludicrous what they're doing. And here's my example why. If you are like me, and I was fortunate enough four years ago to go to Packers practice, which was one of the greatest experiences in my 
sporting life, to go and actually watch them practice, uh, go through the stadium tour at Lambeau, um, have one of the Packer players ride a bike uh, with my daughter in attendance. That was just fabulous. But what I'm seeing on the field is ridiculous. Call it what it is. Call it, call it, but four exhibition games is fucking ludicrous. They're charging National Football League regular season prices and they're built into the season ticket holders. That's all part of the package. When they're paying for the eight regular season games, well, in Green Bay, you're paying for either a, what, a seven-game package or a one, two, three, five-game package because in Green Bay, they have to split the games up in a green and a gold package because they got five home games that are dedicated to the green package, which is Green Bay people, and the other three home games are dedicated to the Milwaukee people that are 90 miles away. And so that's why you don't get the full eight games if you're a season ticket holder of the Green Bay Packers. You get five or you get three. But then as part of that, you get the two home preseason games too, which are a freaking joke. Now, for people like Chris and I, more than likely, it's going to be very difficult, and it's going to be even more difficult for me to... I've seen a Packers home game, don't get me wrong, during the regular season, but for a regular person that wants to take his wife and kids to a Packers game, it's unfucking believable because you either either have to have somebody will the tickets to you, let you borrow the tickets for a weekend. It's really difficult to get into a Packers game. And a lot of people, their only chance to get into Lambeau and see the green and gold play is during the exhibition season. But why would you do that when you're spending big money and the Packers held back 26 players? on their first preseason game. So not only didn't we see Aaron Rodgers, we didn't see anybody. That's wrong, folks. I'm sorry. That is ludicrously wrong. And yet, Lambeau is full. There's the problem. We've got to have some people that see the same problems that I do, and I know that they do. I know that they do. But we've got to boycott these exhibition games. They're ridiculous. It's a waste of our time. It's a waste of the television community's time. It's a waste of our time to watch it on television because you're not watching. You're watching a glorified practice. You're watching, and I've said this before, you're watching the guys that are trying to make roster positions 23 through 53 on the 53-man roster. That's what you're watching at regular season prices, and that is ridiculous. Well, we actually did see somebody at the Green Bay Packers game playing for the Packers that I thought was notable and not in a really great way because I've got the smallest hands I've ever seen on an adult male. Yeah, okay? that's true. Like, I can't find... I've never... I found a guy one time that had the same size hands, but I don't think I've ever been able to find someone who had smaller hands than me. However, I believe that I would be better at catching a football... Even in a game, preseason or otherwise, in the NFL, the real quarterback throwing to me, well, not that there was a real quarterback throwing to this guy because it was Deshaun Kaiser and uh, whoever else, (laughs) Tim Boyle Boyle and whatever, and their four stringer was there too. But the Packers have a guy who I hope does not make the 53-man roster, and his name is Jamon Moore. Yes. And holy shit, this guy cannot catch a ball. I know. So let's compare this to, I don't know, DeAndre Hopkins last year, which was, what, 115 receptions with zero drops? And then you have Jamon Moore. 
And never mind that there's a lot of competition with Devontae Adams could be the top receiver in the league this year, especially with Rodgers throwing to him. But even otherwise, very, very talented. You've got Equinemius St. Brown. You've got MVS, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, both looking like they're realizing their potential. You've got Jake Kumaro, who Aaron Rodgers has loved from day one. There is not a place in the Packers, certainly, for Jamon Moore, but especially, really just the whole league. There's not a place for Jamon Moore. I don't know how this guy got that far, but I don't know if you saw him with his whatever they are. His you remember when Clay Matthews had the club? Yeah. This guy might have had well, it might as well have had two of those clubs on his hand, <laughs> on his hand because it was just it was just stupid looking. So Jamon Moore, if he makes the 53 man roster, I will have serious doubts about anything the coaching staff does when it comes to talent evaluation. I couldn't agree more. I'm I'm glad you saw that. Um, Jamon Moore. And here's the thing. All the names that Chris just rattled off, guys that are going to make the Packers final 53, uh, Jay Kumaro, uh, MVS, uh, all these other guys. Jamon Moore was drafted before them. Yeah. Jamon Moore was a four pick. Uh, MVS was a five. Equinamius St. Brown was a six. six. Right, yeah. Jay Kumaro was a walk-on, basically. He was an invitee to training camp from the University of Wisconsin-Whitewater. That's a Division three school, guys. Jamon Moore comes from Missouri, fourth-round draft pick. He gets open, but he can't catch. He can't catch a cold. He had four or five balls targeted to him from memory on Thursday night. He caught two, dropped three, and the two that he even caught, he even bobbled. Did you notice that? The, even the touchdown pass he caught from Tim Boyle to make it 28-7, to even that he bobbled in the end zone and was a perfectly thrown ball. Perfectly thrown ball. Dropped one in the end zone from Deshaun Kaiser. Um, if if Jamon Moore makes the Packers roster, I'm going to have a problem. And I think ultimately so will Matt LaFleur, so will Aaron Rodgers, so will offensive coordinator Nathaniel uh, Hackett because they done screwed up. There's a guy on that team, You if you obviously you saw the game, that I think I'm very high on that came from North Dakota State, played slot back there, Darius Shepard, number 10, had a touchdown the other night. But he knows to he knows how to run a route from the slot already better than anybody on the Packers roster. Has played the slot position for four years while in college and while at North Dakota State. Again, not a, a group five or a big five school. I get all that. But my God, I don't give a crap. If the kid can catch, let him play. And uh, he seems to be a much more bright alternative than Jamon Moore, and I'm very appreciative that you brought up Jamon Moore because I sat there watching that son of a bitch screaming at the TV in an exhibition game the other day telling him, cut his ass now. Cut his ass before he gets to the locker room. Uh, save the water for the shower after. Just get him out of town. He sucks. Um, I want to talk about another wide receiver right now. And a guy that has had a career, obviously. He's, uh, I mean, he's been on Dancing with the Stars. He's been on the mask. He's been on the masked singer for Christ's sake. That makes him a star. But I am so tired of hearing about this son of a bitch, Antonio Brown, and his antics that I'm starting to wonder if the Oakland Raiders um, maybe bit off more than they needed to chew with this son of a bitch. Maybe Pittsburgh knew what they were doing in letting him go. Um, first of all, how does he end up 
frost biting his feet. I can tell you how. If you well, want. please. Oh, yeah. I don't so, know how. So he was in France getting yeah. cryotherapy, you know, where you go in and you get your, you freeze certain parts of your body and it's supposed to help with whatever. And, but you have to put on, you don't want to do that with your feet or your extremities, right? You want to do it with like a certain muscle or whatever to help, you know, the therapy or whatever. So when you go into these things, you have special footwear you have to put on to mm-hmm. whatever. And he just didn't put it on. And he just went in there with nothing on his feet. And he just, it was, it was like going out in a blizzard in minus whatever. I saw whatever, a picture of his feet the other day. And that's disgusting what he did to himself. Yeah. The guy's a mess. He's an idiot. Yeah. But this one even is more concerning. And this is an organization that right now is being run by John Gruden. I mean, <laughs> Mayock has the title of general manager, and that idiot from Dumb and Dumber is running the team. I get it. He's got the title, Mark Davis. But the guy running the Oakland Raiders is John Renegade Gruden. And Antonio Brown says he supposedly has threatened the Oakland Raiders about he's going to retire from the National Football League if he can't wear the same helmet that he has been wearing, meaning the manufacturer, not the actual physical Pittsburgh helmet, you yahoos. I'm talking about he, if he can't find, and supposedly the manufacturer of that helmet that he wore for 10 years in Pittsburgh, they don't make that model anymore. So he's threatening retirement from the National Football League because he can't find a helmet that works for him. Um, I'm starting to wonder. No, I, I, I'm not even wondering anymore. A, he is a moron, but... Why would somebody potentially give up a nine, what is it, seven, eight, nine figure salary, whatever it is, millions plus per year to catch a football? And he's threatening. I mean, what else could Antonio Brown do? We know he can't dance. <laughs> we know he can't sing. He couldn't even make it past round one of the mass singer. And um, so I'm just wondering does he wake up in the morning? And dream this stupid stuff up, or or just, I I know I know this is an in I know you I know this is an inanswerable question, but let me ask you, an inanswerable question: What the hell is going on in the mind of Antonio Brown? Well, if you hear his reason for why he wants to keep his helmet, the reason itself is the only reasonable thing about this. So he says his problem with the other helmets. At least, and he hasn't tried all the options, but the one or two or whatever that he's tried, his problem is that he can't see. So now, now if you can't see as a receiver, that's a legitimate True. concern. Understood. Okay, that's a legitimate concern. But I mean, so what he's saying is that his helmet, he can see perfectly. And with the one or two that he's tried that are acceptable, they, they protrude more and they come down more and they, they kind of cover his eyes a bit and he doesn't have full vision. So while that is a legitimate concern... The issue is that there are, for the 2019 season, a total of how many different helmet models do you think are available to him that are acceptable for this year? Um, I would say between 5 and 10. How about 34? 34. There are th- He has 34 different options that are acceptable. 34 different models, including some from his favorite manufacturer. All right, I have a question then for you, real quick, just yeah. to, to, because I want your answer. But if he has 34 options... Don't you think that there's somebody that could sit down with him and they could, uh, you know, what is it when you, when you, you know, you, 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 uh, 
like Tiger has a, a driver, okay, mm-hmm. that is made specifically to his. So they Tiger proof it. I don't know what the I, I, I'm I'm at a loss. Well, I'm thinking that's where this might have to go. Okay. Is that because the there's nothing wrong with the manufacturer? It's just that the model they have that Antonio Brown likes is a model that is over 10 years old. And if you have a model that's over 10 years old, then the uh, the body that regulates the helmets and approves them and tests them and everything, uh, they won't approve anything that's over 10 years old because there's a lot of it. It's a safety issue. Well, then. there's a lot of advancements. And uh, yeah, it's, it, they're saying like the helmet doesn't protect you enough. Straight up with today's standards, today's awareness of concussions and CTE and everything no, no. that it's a problem. But the, the issue is he hasn't tried all 34. Like out of the 34, 11 have just been added to the approval list. So those 11 have never been used before. So there's 23 from before, plus another 11 that no one's used yet. And he's just being a stubborn diva where they're like, okay, well, if you don't like this one or this one, we've got another 30 over here that you can try them all on, find one that's good for you. And then he's just being a stubborn diva and he won't even try them on. Yeah, He's just being a five-year-old. It's unbelievable what's going on with this guy. But man, the uh, I just saw a headline here said something like, uh, the Raiders are feeling the full brunt of Antonio Brown's diva act, you yeah. know, or persona or whatever. And that's really what's going on here. Uh, I understand if the guy is having trouble seeing, but uh, this is just unbelievable. So this is the funniest part of the story. I don't know if you heard this. So what he did, he at first, this has actually been going on since May, but it wasn't really making headlines. And it seemed like it was going to get dealt with, like he wanted to keep this helmet. The, originally, these helmets were actually phased out and you were technically not supposed to wear them even last year, but what they did is they did a grandfather clause. If you've got a helmet that, you know, you've been wearing for a while and it's on the band list, we'll let you wear it for one more year. As you try to find another one. Yeah, and and so some guys took advantage of that. Him, Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, Mm -hmm. same thing. Both those guys took advantage of it and like, okay, well, what are our favorite helmet for one more year? But now Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers have moved on to a new helmet and found one they liked out of the 34 options mm-hmm. that they had. So, uh, but then uh, with this guy, Antonio Brown, he hasn't, and he's just refusing to. But anyway, the funniest thing was, what was happening is he, I guess the last few weeks and months, he would go and he would, you know, he'd pick one of the approved ones, wear it for a couple practices. Then he'd kind of sneak back his old one. They'd find out. They didn't make him take it off. He, okay. <laughs> he put it back on. So then the one day he showed up literally with his old helmet hand painted to look like the Raiders. Like a really, like I did, I, no one's seen a picture of this, yeah. but apparently he showed up and it's like, uh, that doesn't look like a manufacturer grade <laughs> paint job. Like you can just picture him sitting at home with watercolors on his helmet. <laughs> Like, I mean, he just showed up and they're like, uh, like, it's like, a, it's like the naked gun. It's like Saturday Night Live. He just shows up like, oh, hey guys, what's going on? How would you like my helmet? Like, and it's just painted by his, anyway, whatever the guy, you know what? I, I don't know if I just never noticed this about Antonio Brown, but until maybe whatever that was wait, last year, maybe even, I thought he was like a Julio Jones, like really good. But like, I, I thought he kind of shut up and, or Kelvin Johnson. There you go. You, yeah. you know, like, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I don't remember thinking he was like this at all. And he is just rapidly, and it's kind of what you've brought up before, I think, ever since he did Dancing with the Stars and got a big head and doing all this stuff. And, you know, it, I think maybe the publicity got to him. I mean, everywhere you looked, it was always every year, Antonio Brown, best receiver in the league. Antonio Brown, best route runner in the league. And and it just, all of it combined, I think, just went to his head. And what we have now is a guy that's practically useless. And uh, 
for the record, yeah, it would be eight figures he'd be giving up because if he doesn't play football again, he'll be walking away from a guaranteed $30 million. Oh, my God. Find a helmet. I mean, Jesus Christ. How difficult is that? Find a helmet and run your routes and catch the ball. That's all you got to do. 34 models. Like, wouldn't you, even if you loved your old helmet, even if you could still wear your old helmet, if they're like, hey, there are 34 models that we've got now, they're Every single one of them is better than what you've got, at least when it comes to safety, which is, you know, what a helmet's for. Right. And they're all going to be, obviously, they all have to have slight differences or we wouldn't have 34 different ones. There's no reason to have two exactly the same. So you'd think that there'd be slight differences with all 34. Uh, So why why wouldn't you just go try all of them on and maybe one you can see even better or maybe the placement of the face mask is even better or maybe there's something that's even better. Maybe it's lighter, right? And I mean, all of them are going to protect your head better. Probably too late for that at this point, but I mean, yeah. I, I think the damage has been done to Antonio Brown's brain. But yeah, I mean, uh, the fact that he wouldn't at least look at that as an opportunity to try and find something even better shows that he's not serious about being the best he can be. Um, do want to pass? Uh, this is another problem with the exhibition season in the National Football League. The Detroit Lions, of course, I don't like the Lions, don't care about them, but. I do care about an individual that was affected by what happened to him on Thursday night, and that's Curse, uh, free agent signing uh, for the Detroit Lions this summer. And uh, in the first game, in a worthless first game, obviously this man's season is over as he breaks his leg and did some damage to his ankle as well. Um, Again, he plays for Detroit, so I don't care. But I like this individual because I think he was a classy young man when he played for the Seattle Seahawks. And when you play for Pete Carroll, that's not always associated together, person and class. But this young man was. And um, I want to send out uh, my condolences to Curse as to what happened to him. Again, injuries can happen anywhere. I get it. I get it. It could have happened when they were... Uh, practicing this week with the New England Patriots. It could have happened when they were practicing among themselves. I found it funny that Aaron Rodgers, going back to my team, Aaron Rodgers was openly critical of the two days of practice that the Packers had with the Houston uh, Texans on Monday and Tuesday for the simple fact that Aaron Rodgers didn't think a lot got done offensively because it was such a vanilla package that they were showing the Houston Texans. And Aaron Rodgers didn't think that it was really beneficial to the offense especially a new offense that they're learning learning under a new coach but they didn't show any new wrinkles it was just very you know basically dive a trap play to the right trap play to the left a little swing passes and and very very again very very vanilla and Rodgers thinks that they probably especially again in this first year of a new system Rodgers felt the Packers would have been more beneficial to them if they just would have practiced amongst themselves because it doesn't matter if you're throwing up the the new sneaky stuff to to the other uh, defensive members of your team but and I kind of get that I kind of see that uh, I understand that a little bit uh, that was the first time that the Packers held uh, a team joint, workout joint a joint uh, team workout with another team since 2005 and that was Rogers first year with the Green Bay Packers. So it's been a long time, but uh, I just have one comment that I have to get off my chest um, before we move on to other issues and before we move on to other episodes when, uh, as Chris and I get together 
for this group of shows here on Unscripted. And this goes right to Brian Grudekunst. And, and that's, of course, the general manager of the Green Bay Packers. Um, we've seen what you did done this week. You you continue to rid your, your now and I, I say it's your roster because it is now, as I see you continue to rid yourself of Ted Thompson mistakes. They got rid of Jason Spriggs this week. He was a second-round draft pick in, I believe, 16 of the Packers. Uh, Teddy Two-Tone moved up to get him, and he has been an absolute piece of dog shit ever since he's been in Green Bay. He got hurt the first day of practice, and Gutekunst, and to his credit, Gutekunst said, get the hell out of here. He put him out on waivers. Nobody claims him. He goes back to the Packers' IR. Now what happens is that they will have to uh, negotiate an injury settlement with him, and then he'll be released. He will never play in Green Bay again. That's okay. But there's two things you really need to look at now that you've done this. You need to find yourself a swing tackle, a guy that can potentially replace. Because we know over the course of a 16-game schedule, Brian Balaga is going to get hurt. Brian Balaga is going to get hurt standing at attention for the National Anthem. Brian Balaga is going to pull something. Okay? We know that. Now, do you move Billy Turner out to right tackle? Is that your backup plan? Possibly. Because the two limp dicks that you had in there at tackle on Thursday night, Alex Light on one side and some guy named Gerard DeBoer on the other side, were pathetic. They couldn't, hel- they couldn't hel- hold up, excuse me, in my opinion, in a high school game. They were atrocious. So we've got to find ourselves a, a swing tackle. Bakhtiari is going to play on a broken leg on the left side. But on the right side, we know we need a capable backup to Brian Balaga because Balaga is going to get hurt in the shower. Second of all, and most importantly, and I think Chris would agree with me because Chris made mention of this earlier in this, in this broadcast itself, but I'm taking it to another level. When in the fuck is somebody, whether it's Mark Murphy, Brian Gutekunst, I think Matt LaFleur already knows. I think Nathaniel Hackett already knows, and I'm pretty damn sure Mr. Mensa, Aaron Rodgers, knows. When the fuck is somebody in Green Bay going to address the backup quarterback situation? We do not have a backup quarterback, and we haven't had a backup quarterback since, oh, I don't know, when Zeke Bratkowski backed up Bart fucking Starr. We have not had a backup quarterback forever. And I think because of Brett Favre when he was there and took every snap for 16 years, we kind of forgot about it. But one thing Aaron Rodgers is not in regard to Brett Favre, Aaron Rodgers will get hurt. And Aaron Rodgers will be 36 on December 2nd of this year. It's sad that I know his birthday, but I do. When is somebody in Titletown, USA, Green Bay, Wisconsin, slash Ashwaubenon, Wisconsin, going to address the backup quarterback position? I know that you sent a first-round draft pick in regard to Randall to Cleveland to acquire Deshaun Kaiser. And I think that was just to get Randall out of Green Bay. I get that. But my God, let's find somebody. You know, a lot of people make jokes of Ryan Fitzsimmons, or is that, is that his name in Fitzpatrick. Miami? Fitzpatrick. <laughs> yeah. Ryan Fitzpatrick in Miami. And they, they make fun of the guys that, who are the guys that were backing up every year? There was a pair of brothers, one for the Jets and one McCowan. for the Bears. Thank you. Josh God, McCown and Luke McCown. God, you're good. The McCowans. Why can't Green Bay get one of those guys? Why can't we? There's too much riding, folks, on 
if Aaron Rodgers goes down, and it's a bigger if every year, it's a big if when you're handing over the potential reins of the Green Bay offense to Deshaun Kaiser or Tim Boyle. And I think I'm getting that right. Might be Tim Boyle. Boyle, I don't know what the hell it is. He's terrible. Somebody please do this for the 40 million Green Bay Packer Nation fans all around the world. Please address the backup quarterback situation. Yeah, that I brought that up uh, the other week too. And uh, my, you know who they should have tried to get from Cleveland. I don't. I think they still had him at the time this trade was made, but I have to look it up, I guess. But uh, I think the best backup quarterback in the league right now is on the LA Chargers, and that's Tyrod Taylor. And he was on the Browns. That's and, right. Mm-hmm. And they should have tried to get him in a package if they're going to send Randall to the Browns. Yep. That would have been great. He looked, by the way, he looked great in preseason action the other day oh. as well. Uh, he's a legitimate starter as far as I'm concerned. He's but so as a backup, he's spectacular. I, I really like Tyrod Taylor. I always have. How about now? I'm just looking at a list here. I looked this up when you brought this up here. Here's here's what this column thinks are the best backup quarterbacks in the NFL right now. So Tyrod, of course, sure. Jacoby Brissett of the Colts, right? Big right. arm, big arm, big arm. scramble. He's won games at the NFL level. Yeah, absolutely. Teddy Bridgewater of the Saints. We're starting to see the old Teddy Bridgewater. He looked great this week yes, as well. Yes, yeah, really, really nice guy. Well liked, and just a shame what happened a couple of years ago. Absolutely. Non-contact in the preseason just almost rips his leg off his body. How about Nick Mullins on the 49ers? How good did he look? I love that story last year. I mean, they talked about how he, as a third stringer who thought he'd never get a chance at the NFL level, he still, he would wait till the stadium was empty and he would sit there for hours just by himself. Nobody in the stadium, just him on the field with the playbook memorized, going through every single play, practicing Phantom as if it's just such a good story. Love Nick Mullins. That was a beautiful thing last year. Uh, Case Keenum, Keenum in Washington, who I don't like as a starter, but I think is an excellent backup. Yep. And even, and I hate to admit this, because I hate this guy as a starter. I hate him as a starter, and I don't like him as a dude very much. He doesn't look like a mean guy or anything, but I just he just looks like such a dumb jock to me. But Ryan Tannehill of the Titans, as far as a pure backup yeah. goes, well, that's pretty good for a backup. That was their Tier 1, and their Tier 2 uh Drew Locke of the Broncos, who I disagree with, because, well, he has all the potential in the world. He looked like dog well, shit. Well, and remember, I mean, he is, you know, what, six months ago or nine months ago, he was still at the University of Missouri. So he's still got some time. Well, yeah, but and, they, they thought they were going to get him. They A lot of people thought they'd draft him 10th overall, the Denver Broncos, uh, and they end up getting him like 43rd or something. Here's the thing that I, I got a kick out of, and, and they, Kevin Harlan mentioned it on the broadcast with James Lofton on the Packers television network the other night, but they were talking about this is the fifth off offensive system in five years for Deshaun Kaiser. Well, instead of looking at it that way, look at it this way. Maybe he just sucks. (laughs) He had Notre Dame, then a new system in Cleveland, another new system in Cleveland, then another system in Green Bay. But the problem is the guy, all the physical capabilities in the world. But there's something wrong up here. Oh, he's an idiot. I think there's something really wrong, really wrong between his ears. And I think that... And I don't think you can correct that. And I think, I mean, he had, now granted, it was for a 1-15 football team, or 0-16, whatever it was, the year he was the quarterback in Cleveland. Regardless, he still had 16 starts at the National Football League level. Then he comes to Green Bay and had a number of starts during the Rodgers eight games of missing with the broken collarbone a couple years ago. And he had, and, and I've said this before, he had to go to overtime, to beat Tampa in Lambeau and had to go overtime to beat Cleveland 
in Cleveland. So the guy sucks. And I don't think all the physical capabilities, all the bloodlines, he played at Notre Dame, you rah rah, sis, boom, bang. It doesn't matter. The guy's proven, and what we've proven is the guy sucks. Yeah, and the the, the thing I like about what you said about just even bringing this up and addressing the backup quarterback position, that's a really tough thing to address through the draft. Mm-hmm. Almost any other position you can address through the draft. Like, yep. I'd love to see, like you mentioned, I'd love to see the Packers use their first round 2020 pick on a right tackle. I think that'd be... I totally agree. That'd be perfect. Like, they're, they've all of a sudden, they've got this solid roster up and down on offense and defense. Where the hell did that come from? Mm-hmm. And uh, I think a right tackle, that's something you can get in the first round of an NFL draft. I you agree. can have a 22-year-old who's 300 and some pounds and can just step right in there and be good potentially as a tackle. I mean, you want him to have the arm length and everything and, and uh, whatever else, all the good fundamentals. But yeah, you can actually get that in the first round of a draft. It's tough to find that at least with any sort of permanency uh, in the draft. I mean, to your earlier point, the last time the Green Bay Packers had a great backup quarterback, it was Aaron Rodgers backing up Brett Favre. <laughs> That's right. That's the last good quarterback. That's quarter- a great one, yeah. For a few I didn't years. Even think of that. Yeah, yeah, for a few years. Anyway, but but then and then you've got that list of guys I said. I think any of those would be easy, fairly easy to acquire. Most of them would be fairly easy to acquire by any serious NFL team because even when you get to tier two, they had three guys: Drew Locke, who I don't think will ever develop; Josh Rosen, who I have. Uh, I, I've been extremely clear on it. <laughs> I could not be any more emphatic. Crystal clear. I, yes, I have an article on the internet with over 100,000 views. I think people know how I feel about Josh Rosen. But the third one here, I do want to quickly mention before we get out of here, because everyone was really hard on this guy, not because of anything wrong with him, but because of how he was overdrafted this year. Because the New York Giants took this guy oh. at sixth overall, and I believe pretty much everyone can agree that they also had the 17th, overall pick and I think he would have still been there especially since Haskins didn't even go till 15 so his name is Daniel Jones and I have to say I think everyone's been so down on him because of that so everyone's almost assuming well he was overdrafted so he sucks yeah. well if you watched him this week he looked fantastic six for six I heard yeah oh he was he was fantastic he was just I also li- heard perfect. that someone in the New York Post was claiming that he should be the starter week one off of one performance well, while I agree that that's, uh, you know, you don't want to rush guys in, especially at the quarterback position, I will say that the New York Giants have to let go of their Eli Manning fetish. Like, like it's been four or five years in a row that they've been telling us that he's got two or three good years left. I agree with that. I, I agree with you a thousand percent. But I do think at least through the first maybe quarter of the season, you let Eli take all the bumps and bruises and get his ass kicked. And then you go to the future. I don't think you can start Daniel Jones week one. I think that's too much to ask. In general, that would be reckless. However, this was just week one of the preseason. If he plays four games of the preseason yeah. and he's, you know, yeah, 35 for 37 yeah, no. with eight picks and no, no, inter- or sorry, and if they touchdowns but and no picks. Again, if teams are like Green Bay and they're resting 26 of their preferred players, you're not getting the real meal deal as to what Daniel Jones is facing, though. No, you're not. But I mean, if if you have numbers that are this overwhelming, extrapolated over four games, right? It's it, no, it it's really indicative. I mean, Eli Manning, like his, like I feel like I can throw a ball, a ball as far as he can at this point. Yeah. I mean, he is just, and he has no idea. Like he is just not even clued in onto how he's deteriorated mentally and physically. 
And when you've got an improved O-line, you've got Nate Solder, you've got yep. Kevin Zeitler in yep. front of you now, you've got Saquon to draw a lot of attention, uh, you've got Evan Ingram, who's going to get a ton of targets, even though you have no receiving core. You know, maybe maybe it's not the worst uh, situation for him. I mean, I do definitely want to see how he does over the next three preseason games, if they do play him, which I'm sure they will, uh, that being uh, Daniel Jones, but... Yeah, it was it was surprising. I I just I, I realized that was a real blind spot for me mentally. Don't think someone sucks just because they got drafted earlier than they should have, especially if it was only, you know, within the the same round. So, I that was a mistake on my part. We've got to run on this uh 374th episode of our little program, but I do I I just just light bulb came off and I think by the end of training camp Brian Gutekunst should be giving a call to Bruce Allen. He's the general manager of the Washington Redskins. I think at the end, I think that they should look at a a low-round draft pick to Washington for either Case Keenum or Colt McCoy. There are two quarterbacks in Washington as backups that are better than anything in Green Bay right now. Oh, Case Keenum, easily. Colt McCoy, I've always liked. Last year when I watched him, I wasn't that impressed, but well, I, I've always liked him overall, and I'd certainly rather have him over I'd Deshaun rather Kaiser. have him over Deshaun Kaiser, and if you can get Colt McCoy for a seventh-round draft pick or a Case Keenum for a fifth-round draft pick and and potentially you know, protect your quarterback situation and your offense if Rodgers should have another goddamn debilitating injury... I think that would be money well spent. I really do because yeah. we can't go into the next this season with all the expectations. We now seemingly have a defense. It's amazing what we've been hearing about and I can't believe that they'd throw all that potentially away if they can't find a backup to back up number 12. Yeah, I mean the, the of all people to not have a backup for Aaron Rodgers who when I mean if you have either an injury prone quarterback or a quarterback who means everything to your yeah. team. Yeah. If you have either one of those, and I'm thinking about Aaron Rodgers, and I'm thinking about Russell Wilson, and I'm Russell Wilson, I know that this guy got revenge on his old team a little bit by looking decent last, uh, whenever the last uh, the other day. But Paxton Lynch yeah. and Geno Smith are Geno Smith look good. Well, but I mean, it's Geno Smith. It's like my least favorite player in the league. So Paxton Lynch and Geno Smith, as far as I'm concerned, are in the long run, no better than the Green Bay backups right now. So uh, the fact that you're not serious about... I mean, in Seattle, what do you have to do? Oh, hey, give Russell Wilson a contract, give Bobby Wagner a contract. That's yeah. all they've done. They've done that, and now they, it's like they have nothing else to do. I would add, if you're not going to do anything else, you're just going to have those two guys carry the entire team, at least go out and get an awesome backup. Like, at least do that, and uh, Green Bay should be the same. And the fact they haven't is crazy. Even, I don't know if you saw today... Uh, the Detroit Lions signed Josh Johnson to be their backup. Oh, really? Remember him? He hadn't yep. played since 2011. Yep. Then he comes back last year and was serviceable for the Washington Redskins. Yep. I'd rather have Josh Johnson in a second in 2019 over to Sean Kaiser. We've got a run on this 374th episode of Unscripted. We thank you very much, as always, for joining us and hope that you continue to do so. Having said all that, for the executive producer of Unscripted, Mr. Chris Fluke, I'm Mike Jansen. Until next time.